Well, friends, good afternoon and welcome. Uh, welcome to family and to friends uh, to this memorial for, service for Jeanette Johnson, known to many of us as Jan. Jan was born the daughter of Joe and Mary Gibson on the 24th of January, 1942. She was a sister to Susan, Rosemary, Beto and Joe, wife to Keith for about 60 years, mother to Anthony and Rosemary and grandmother to Stephanie and Hannah as well. My name is Clint. I serve as the pastor here at Grace Christian Church in Budrum. Uh, we hosted Jan's U3A group here many times, and Keith was a member and regular attender of our church here. Uh, I want to also say a very special welcome to those who might be joining us online today as well. We're glad uh, we can have you with us. Of course, Jan left this life unexpectedly on Thursday the 14th of July with her husband by his side. The family has already said their goodbyes privately. So we gather today to do three things. We gather firstly to remember and give thanks for Jan's life. Secondly, we gather to support in their grief her husband Keith, their children Anthony, Rosemary and their families, and Jan's sister and brother uh, Rosemary and Joe and their families. And third, we've also come to reflect together on the limits of human life under God. So we're going to begin our service then with words of comfort from God's word in the Bible and invite Stephanie to read those for us now. We're reading from Psalm chapter 32, verses 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Well, if you join me as I lead us in prayer to God together, let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we cry to you today for deliverance, for comfort and for peace. We thank you that you came near to us in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us by his death on the cross in order to give us the hope of life in the face of death. We thank you that you remain near to us in your Holy Spirit, and we pray that you'd be especially present with the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit here today. Merciful Lord, let them not doubt your love but bring them to a fuller knowledge of your divine wisdom and purpose that all things work for the good of those who love you. Please have compassion on your servants in their loss and grief. Be to them a very present help in trouble. Give them eyes of faith that they may see that the eternal God is their refuge and that underneath are the everlasting arms. Gracious Lord, in your mercy, please hear our prayer for those who mourn, that in time you would please calm the storm and scatter the clouds, that they may once again praise and bless your name. This we ask for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name alone we come to you. Amen. Well, the family's chosen two hymns for our service today. Uh, the words are printed on the included service sheet. We're going to stand together. You're welcome to sing or to reflect quietly as we do. Please stand with me for Psalm 23.
going to invite uh, some of the family up now to share their, their tributes and memories of Jan. Uh, Rosemary, Joe, and Stephanie, and then Anthony are going to come up, and you're welcome to just follow one after the other in that order. Clint. Uh, as Clint said, Jan was born to Joe and Dimps in 1942 in the middle of the Second World War. During the war, Dimps, Susan and Jan were sent to Charleville for safety. It was below the Brisbane line, which is reportedly where the army planned to retreat to and defend uh, if the Japanese invaded. With due respect to those who are fond of Charleville, I imagine it was chosen as a safe place because it was considered unlikely any invading force would waste time trying to take it. They quickly added Rosemary, who's here today, Beto and me, and all five of us children uh, were brought up during the 50s in a loving, relaxed, welcoming family home at 8 Clyde Road, Hurston. A home that in respect, in retrospect, embraced and embedded in us, and specifically in Jan, solid Christian family values and ethics. Everyone was welcome there, and it was always full of people and full of fun. One of my first memories of Jan is of her in our so-called playroom at Eight Clyde Road, practicing fur release on the piano, over and over and over. Jan went to Kelvin Grove State School and then to St Margaret's. Jan was remarkably good at making and keeping friends. Many of her St Margaret's cohort continued to be her friends throughout her life. She was a good swimmer and a diving champion, one coach saying she was definitely Olympic Games material. Our special time as a family was our holidaying at Mooloolaba. We went for six weeks at Christmas two weeks in August, for the best part of 10 years. So Jan spent a lot of time there as an impressionable, impressionable young girl and a teenager. As at home, at the beach, our place was full of people who were always made welcome and was full of merriment. For my part, the best bit was being shouted a double strawberry malted milkshake at the Picture Theatre Milk Bar by one of Jan's many admirers who were after intelligence from me about her likes and dislikes and likely whereabouts at various times of the day and night. C.H.R. Johnston and Sons and William Gibson and Sons had a business and family relationship that stretched over three generations and some 70 years. Family history relates that one night, a third generation Johnston, namely Keith, was invited to dinner at 8 Clyde Road. When it was revealed that it was the maid's night off and Jan was on washing up duty, Keith was off like a shot out of a gun into the kitchen to help with the drying up. And why wouldn't he want to be with such a ravishingly beautiful, and Jan really was beautiful, intelligent and talented young woman. As was the case for young women then, once you got engaged to marry, a university degree was seen of no importance and her study for an arts degree at the University of Queensland was promptly ceased in favour of marriage, which took place at Scots Church, Clayfield. 
with her sister Rosemary and the future Governor-General Quentin as her bridesmaids. She was 19 and her marriage lasted for 62 years. I want to step forward now about 30 years because I'm sure Anthony will cover some of Jan's love of her growing family, her journalistic achievements, her musical abilities, playing in an orchestra and teaching uh, the clarinet, and indeed her involvement in the business of C.H.R. Johnson and Sons. But eventually Jan and Keith decided to travel around Australia, according to Jan, to see if they could find some place to retire to. I've often wondered if this was nothing more than an elaborate ruse to convince Keith that Mooloolaba was that place. The letters Jan wrote us during that trip were quite remarkable and would make a wonderful book. Typically, they didn't focus on the places they visited, but involved the many people she met and befriended and their lives and their families and their livelihoods. Mind you, the second-hand book business in Australia has never again reached the lofty heights that it did during that trip. Legend has it they had to buy a separate car to load all the books into and then ship the car back to Sydney. Jan's return to Mooloolabar, I must say fully supported by Keith, was the opportunity for her to be close once again to her siblings and their families, whom she loved, and once again to roam Mooloolabar Beach, which she also loved. I think if we, like the first Australians, had sacred sites, Jan's, and possibly mine, would be Mooloolabar Beach. She and Keith attended so many family get-togethers and celebrations, I was always so grateful that they were willing to make the daunting trip from Mooloolabar to Brisbane and back so many times to be with us. Christmas, birthdays, picnics, they always showed up. And we enjoyed visiting them in Mooloolabar, where they were wonderfully hospitable, albeit you had to be prepared to be interrogated in depth by Jan about everything the family had been doing. She was always genuinely interested and thirsty for information. She would even write down a list of questions so she did not miss out on asking everything she wanted to know. In February, when all of us, 16 of our Gibson family, got together for a holiday in Mooloolabar, she invited us all to the bowls club, her shout, as she put it, so she could meet and chat with all our grandchildren. They were absolutely fascinated by the fact that this generous, gentle, quiet, welcoming aunt could have such an unfathomed depth of interest and have achieved and done so much in her life and who was still actively learning. It was inspirational. Two weeks ago, we were in Geneva visiting Kate and family and little Emma was still talking about seeing so many books in one place. I'm glad she now will have that wonderful memory of Jan for the rest of her life. The last few years, Jan and I have been debating which of Beethoven's symphonies we like the best. Now, I like the seventh, and I'd worked on Jan, and I thought I had her around to agreeing with me. And I think it was the last time I spoke to her, she told me, no, it's not the seventh, I like the sixth. Now, the seventh, as you may know, is a fast pounding work that gallops along at a great rate, and I was a bit put out at first that she'd deserted me and, and defected to the sixth, which is a peaceful, gentle, warm, embracing pastoral work. But on reflection over the past week, I have forgiven her. Having realised, of course, that a peaceful, gentle, warm, embracing pastoral work is exactly the sort of piece Jan would like. 
considering Mama's great love of literature, language and her loved ones, it seems fitting to remember her through poetry. Allow me to share words for our grandmother, an acrostic. G, generous. With her resources and time, all she met were important and shown respect. R, reader. Prolific in her collection and reading of books with a myriad stories, ideas, learnings and reflections. A, antiquary. She reveled in discovering the stories behind favorite and newly acquired antiques and collectibles. N, nurturing, creating a loving home environment for her family. D, delighted in the birds, trees, and the world around her, as well as in the people she loved. M, Mama, a caring, loving grandmother, excited in our growth and supporting us in every way she could. O, observant, fascinated by the local and wider environment and an avid people watcher. T, thankful for the blessings in her life and the people with whom to share them. H, humble, unassuming in her nature, but confident within herself. E, eloquent, articulate in her conversations and correspondence, yet such a great listener. R, razor sharp, possessing a keen intellect, which she developed throughout her life. want to start by thanking everybody for being here today. Um, this is really special for us and, uh, and mum would have loved it, uh, but you all would have been here for a long time this afternoon. As Joe mentioned, you would have been quizzed on everything. <laughs> a couple of memories for me, one of those uh, have a laugh emails that mum would sometimes send to me contained a letter to God from a young Sunday school kid who expressed a very understandable sadness in the form of a wonderfully bright solution. She said, Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got? <laughs> yeah, out of the mouths of brave babes, etc. Also, uh, I'm really pleased that, that I can't tell which camera, but I'm really pleased that this is live streamed and I'm hoping that, uh, that everyone can participate. So, uh, welcome. Uh, on the live stream. After I learned of my dear mum's death, I called Joe Gibson, who sighed and, and said something absolutely profound. He said, sisters are hard to come by. And how very true. Indeed, uh, wives, mums, Grandmothers, aunts, cousins, friends, they're all hard to come by. Good ones like Jan especially. But that's the reason it would be remiss today to focus on mum's sudden and mercifully short death instead of remembering with joy and thanksgiving her unusually long and full life. 
and the blessing that she was to so many. And Joe started to share with you the number of people that mum came in contact with uh, in just the beginnings in, in Brisbane. But uh, of course, uh, we, we haven't reached yet all of the uh, all of the nephews and nieces and grand nephews and nieces and etc etc. And then all the friends in various places uh, from Brisbane. Mum moved to Sydney uh, to start a family, then moved to Melbourne to strengthen the business, and then finally the Sunshine Coast for a time. But in each of those places, uh, she amassed a host of friends and, and people that she knew and, and loved. So I think there would be literally thousands of reasons for giving thanks today, uh, because uh, there would be thousands of people who've been blessed uh, by knowing Mum. Jan had a passion for music, both as a musician and as an appreciator, a love for people and their stories and a dedication to the constant work of doing good. In amongst that, if you can imagine there was any time left, she loved walking and birds and nature and ideas and symphonies and travel and sightseeing and Mooloolabar surf. Mum had an inquiring mind and an enduring love of learning, fascinated by every topic. She was always alert for a new book or author or article or podcast, which might offer a fresh perspective and, and wisdom on all manner of life's circumstances. Her books enabled her to be well-informed, a well-informed advocate, in fact, in diverse circles, championing a variety of causes uh, like mistreated Aborigines or Afghani refugees or oppressed Islamic women or even peregrine falcons. Her favourite forums became Rostrum, particularly in, in Victoria, and later U3A uh, up here in Queensland, where she participated in both speaking and in leadership roles. But while books helped her influence and entertain others, reading was also a very personal passion. Mum recently shared this poem by Julia Donaldson, I opened a book and in I strode. Now nobody can find me. I've left my chair, my house, my road, my town and my world behind me. I'm wearing the cloak. I've slipped on the ring. I've swallowed the magic potion. I've fought with a dragon, dined with a king and dived in a bottomless ocean. I opened a book and made some friends. I shared their tears and laughter. I followed their road with its bumps and bends to the happily ever after finished my book and out I came. The cloak. The cloak can no longer hide me. My chair and my house are just the same, but I have a book inside me. In so many ways, mum's life was a, a sharing of the goodness inside her. Perhaps it's no surprise then that the world's best-selling book, The Good Book, captures in Proverbs 31 the reality of how most of us might remember mum. It says, a woman of noble character, who can find? She's more precious than rubies. Our loss is intense because in life we enjoyed the love and the friendship of a woman more precious than rubies. I had opportunity to talk with my sister Rosemary Johnston a few days ago She's on the live stream and she sends her love. We discussed the concept of death as losing someone. 
And today this loss is particularly acute for dad. It's comforting then to find in the good book an astute sensitivity to what he found so precious. You see, Proverbs 31 goes on to say of this woman of noble character, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, every day of her life. And that conclusion surely belongs with any observations of mum and dad in their priceless 60 plus years together. Though worth more than rubies to all of us, mum's life sparkled, jewel-like with so many facets, just like the Proverbs 31 woman. She provided food for her family and portions for her friends. She considered a field to buy it. Out of her earnings, she planted a vineyard. She set about her work vigorously. Her arms were strong for the task. She saw that her trading was profitable and her lamp did not go out at night. She opened her arms to the poor and extended her hands to the needy. Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Jan Johnston was rarely one to jostle to have the last say. But I think this time I'd like to leave the last words on Thanksgiving to Mum. Mum recently said this in an email to Rosemary. I must admit 60 years is a goodly time for marriage and so many of my companions have either lost or misplaced their better halves. If there are types of marriages, ours has been one of the better types. Not close, tight or laissez-faire, just the right space for either of us and only one for us both. That's Mum. After those special words, the family's also prepared a, uh, a photographic tribute, which we'll watch now together.
certainly some very special memories there. Come to a time in the service where I'd like to share something from God's word for us. And I'm going to invite Hannah and Leonie to come up and read now from John chapter 17, verse 24. reading is from John chapter 17 verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the Thanks very much. Well, should we pray and ask for God's blessing on his word? Our Heavenly Father, your word in the Bible speaks to us of life and hope. Please comfort us now with your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the words that were, that were read come from what's known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. The night before Jesus was executed outside the city, remember he had dinner with his disciples, in a meal that's become known as the Last Supper. And over dinner, Jesus shared with them crucial things for how they should understand the tragedy that was going to unfold the next day. That was the purpose behind him washing his disciples' feet, the purpose behind him sharing the supper with them the way that he did. And after Judas left the gathering to go and betray Jesus, Jesus then comforts his disciples ahead of the next day's tragedy telling them of the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, telling them of the, the Father's love for them, and of how they are to love one another as well. And then finally, in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples in their presence, doing the work very much of an Old Testament priest, representing God to man and man to God. And in this prayer, we discover Jesus' greatest desire for his disciples. The desire that they also, whom the Father has given him, may be with him where he is, to see his Father's glorious love. Death is perhaps the most unpleasant experience in human life. It's unpleasant for us when it comes. It's also unpleasant perhaps when we have to deal with the death of one we love. And it always seems to come at the wrong time. All across our country, there are memorials to some 60,000 young Australians killed in the First World War overseas. And for Australia particularly, the war effectively wiped out an entire generation of young men, men who were quite literally cut down in their prime. It's recently been discovered that there were at least 200 young men killed who lied about their age in order to enlist. The youngest found, Douglas Wood, from the Melbourne suburb of Hawthorne, was only 15 years old, and a relative once remarked, he hadn't really lived. Death never comes at the right time. Whether it's expected after a long illness, or suddenly and unexpectedly, death is always at the wrong time. It's always an intrusion on life. I guess this makes sense, because Death wasn't in God's original design plan back in the garden. They human beings could eat from the tree of life and live forever in God's garden paradise. It wasn't until sin entered the world that death joined it 
in our experience and existence. But in Jesus' prayer, I think, Jesus offers a different way to think about death. Because for those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, death is actually the doorway to Jesus' greatest desire for us, that we may be with him and with his Father forever, enjoying the glory of the Father's love. That's where Jesus wants us. There's nothing better that Jesus could imagine for us than that we are with him in his presence, in his kingdom, forever. And yet we still find it so hard to lose the ones we love simply because we would rather that they were with us where we are. So we find ourselves in a kind of a tug of war with the Lord Jesus over the ones that we we both love. A little more time, one more day to be with us where we are. Could it be that we are actually wishing second best for our loved ones? The Apostle Paul faced this dilemma as he sat in prison, facing the very real possibility of execution. He wrote to the Christians in, in the city of Philippi, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. You see, for Christians who grieve the death of their loved ones who die in the Lord, we can rest assured that one who loves them far more than we do has given them far more than we ever could. And that even now they're waiting for us to join them with Jesus in a place that is far better. Because to depart and be with Christ, that is far better. And reading more of Jesus' prayer, we also have the assurance that Jesus never loses a single one of those whom the Father gives him not because of strong faith or because of strong religion, but because they belong to God himself and are held fast by him. In this prayer, Jesus prays for the ones that God has given him. Would the father really reject his own son's prayer? Of course, this does raise the question of how we can be sure how can we, we can be sure that Jesus will take us to be with him where he is when it's our turn to die? Well, we, um, we discover why in the first words of Jesus' prayer back in the early part of the chapter. Jesus begins his prayer with these words, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus has been given sole authority to grant eternal life. Now, as an immigrant, I'm not yet an Australian citizen, but when I become a citizen, the Minister of Home Affairs will have to grant me citizenship. And they can do that because they've been given authority by the Australian government to do so. 
In a far greater way, Jesus has been given sole authority by the Father to grant citizenship in his kingdom forever. And who will he give it to? Well, he'll give it to those who know him. What does it mean to know Jesus? Know about him? Well, it means to know who he is and what he's done. To know that he is the Christ, which, by the way, isn't Jesus' surname. It's the title, the title of God's promised king and rescuer. And it means to know that his death and his resurrection paid the price for your sin and secured your place in his kingdom forever. So let me ask you then today, do you know Jesus? We often move through life without a second thought for these sorts of things. But on a day like today, when we're reminded of how fragile human life is, it's a good day to consider our own mortality as well. Because one day, we all will go the same way as our beloved sister has. Let me say, if you'd like to know more about knowing Jesus, have a chat to a trusted Christian friend, or please come have a chat to me afterwards. Very glad to chat with you, answer questions, and perhaps even pray with you. But consider the question, do you know Jesus? When I was a small child, my dad worked in a, a very large office block for a large retail company. And occasionally he would take me with him to work. And there was a huge security desk in front with a turnstile and all sorts of things. And if I was on my own, I couldn't get in there myself. They would have turned me around. But with my dad and his special key card, I could just stroll right in behind my dad. It's the same with knowing Jesus. We get to go in and be part of his kingdom forever if we're with him. When Jesus prayed that those the Father had given him would be with him where he is, he is teaching us to think about death in an entirely new way. So may our confidence and comfort in Jesus' love, may it both shape our grief as we mourn our loved ones who die in the Lord. But may a desire to be with Jesus also shape our own lives as we consider our own mortality, now and always. Amen. Would you join me once more as we pray? Father God, we thank you that the Lord Jesus doesn't just desire that we would be where he is, but that he is powerful to make that happen. We thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that our hope for ourselves and for those we love would be in him. Pray this in his name. Amen. Well, as we move towards the end of the service, we're going to stand once more for another hymn. Uh, the family's chosen Amazing Grace as our second hymn today. You're welcome, to, as I said earlier, to reflect quietly or to sing along. Please stand.
invite you to remain standing as we move to the end of our service. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer and read from the Bible as a closing blessing. And then I'd invite you to head out these double doors to join us for afternoon tea in the back hall. As you do, though, on the front table here, there's two beautiful flower arrangements and some origami cranes. And as a tribute to Jan, it'd be great if you would grab a crane and pop it in the flower arrangement as we depart in a moment. Anthony's holding them up here for us. Thank you very much for everyone who came out today. Would you join me as we pray? Our holy and loving Father, you gave us life when you created us, and in your redeeming love, you have offered us new life in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you today for Jeanette Johnston, for the blessings of her life, and for the memories shared here today. We commit Jan to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, who died and rose again to save us and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit in glory forever. We pray too for Jan's family, especially for her husband, Keith, her children, Anthony, Rosemary, and their families, and her brother, Joe, and sister, Rosemary, and their families. You are the father of all mercies and giver of all comfort. Please deal graciously with them as they mourn and give them peace. And Father, please enable us all to walk by faith so that after our time here on earth is ended, we may share the life of your kingdom where every tear will be wiped away and death shall be no more. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And friends, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. May the Lord be with you all. Amen.